Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast. Hey, everybody. We have an awesome guest this week. It is a repeat offender, Ted Timon. Ted is the owner of Front Door Gourmet in the Houston area, and he is married and a father of three and a very active participant and uh, actually moderator in the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Welcome to the show, Ted. Hey, thanks, Scott. Yeah, I guess I should have said welcome back to the show. It's been a couple months, but um, it's fun having people back on. I enjoy it. Yeah. I like talking to you. So, you know, there, there's that. Um, so what's, what's going on in your world? You just got done um, like single-handedly slaying Snowmageddon, right? Yeah, it was uh, interesting down here. Uh, fortunately for our family, we didn't have any pipe issues. We didn't have, uh, we lost power for a while, obviously, uh, but uh, never lost our water, didn't have any pipe issues. I can't say that for a lot of my friends. And uh, so helping people out, trying to figure out uh, how to navigate through this, uh, not only the pipe issues, but even more significantly, the lack of uh, materials to get that fixed. So that's been the biggest issue. There was a short, really fast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, you know, it was kind of disheartening to get online and people, well, I didn't have uh, internet the entire time and my phone pretty much was useless. My cell phone, we had rolling power outages about 20, 20 to 30 minutes of power a day. I mean, that's so that'd be way bad an hour, but uh, it was, you know, it's like cook and move on. And then the next thing, um, but we didn't lose our water, have any water pipes burst, but it was, it was hard on folks. It was, uh, I, I walked around. I walk a lot. I walk, I was walking around. There's just piles of carpet out on people's front yards because their houses yeah. were flooded. Yeah, I've been seeing that uh, driving around too. It's pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it basically put me out of work for a week. I couldn't do anything. Um, were you tied down technology-wise or were you good to go? Yeah, um, you know, we, we lost our internet for, it would come back up when power came back up and then go back out and hit and miss. Uh, it was a little bit rough, but uh, kind of like what you said, uh, power would turn on and I'd instantly hop up and, do the half an hour worth of things I knew I could get done um, and had to get done before the power potentially went back out. Uh, fortunately for us, uh, because we're still in a shared kitchen, we only cook a couple days a week and that's at the end of the week. So by the time that came around, the power was back, the water was clean and we were good to go. Um, what I was saying earlier was the fact that uh, people were just getting brutal online, like Texans, they just don't know what you know, they don't know how to handle anything. They're so high and mighty and they just got weak, weakened at the knees by a little weather. And it's my wife's like, yeah, well, you know, some of those folks give them 115 degrees for a, a month straight and see how they feel. <laughs> we yeah. just don't have the infrastructure for it. Our, our pipes are exposed They're, um, You know, we just didn't have the infrastructure for it. And then I also learned that there was a lot of errors that didn't necessarily weren't necessarily things that needed to happen, but you know, that's neither here nor there. But um, one thing I did notice, and maybe you did is in the community, people were just out helping each other. It was like, just people were dropping what they're doing and helping their neighbor. And I've just seen a ton of that, especially with the plumbing, lots of creative ideas going out. Um, People go into the uh, auto part store and grabbing um, hoses 
and patching with hose auto hoses, which seemed to work. Um, all sorts of crazy things people were doing. So it was really cool to kind of see people come together and um, kind of hitch pitch in on their community and make things happen. So, yeah, similar down here, just a lot of uh, a lot of folks jumping in. Any any skills that you had that could be beneficial were being used. I have several friends who are electricians that uh, because they're handy, they jumped in and became plumbers for a week and, and did everything they could to help. And, you know, most of that was just capping off pipes until the parts could come available. But uh, it's still uh, it's still what they could do to help. And uh, isn't that what it's all about is just jumping in and offering your skills to do whatever you can. I agree. I kind of feel like the, the, the um, kind of a great way to explain the brotherhood of fatherhood. You know, we are an online community it's, and it's a podcast, but it, it really does kind of thrive when, when somebody comes in and says, Hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, or Z, or what do you guys do in this situation? And you got men just coming in with, um, I would say 90% of the time coming in with, um, positive, uh, encouraging, moving forward. And then we got the, the small percent that comes in and just kind of wastes the breath and wastes the space. But um, so, you know, you've been part of the, the brotherhood for, I don't know, I don't know how long, pretty close to the beginning. Um, what does it mean to you? What, what, what have you found with this? Yeah, uh, pretty close to the beginning, actually. Um, I've been in for a long time. It's great uh, as it's expanding and it's fun to watch the different contributors uh, rise to the top and uh, you kind of start to recognize names and uh, recognize the value in their contributions. And so that's, that's kind of fun. And, and it's always nice to see new names that have something good to say, but I think it's what I really like is the varying perspectives, right? Not everybody is uh, a 40 something man with three daughters in Houston, Texas, right? We've got, You've got some young guys that have jumped in that are just having their first kids. We've got some guys that are grandfathers. We have people sharing from their um, experiences of what went well in their lives. We have people sharing from their experiences of, uh, hey, this was horrible for me, so I learned not to do this, and maybe that's helpful to you also. Just from every perspective, um, guys jumping in, and like you said, I think the the vast majority of guys are really trying to – contribute some positivity and, uh, and some, some solid help to, to the brothers that are asking for it. But yeah, it's been, it's been a really fun, fun thing. It's very interesting to see how men respond differently to different situations, you know, and I, I see some turmoil come through and men respond in sarcasm or, uh, or, or kind of kicking people when they're down. It's not very frequent, but I have seen that. And it's, it's interesting to watch the psychology of how people, uh, react, but mostly it's highly, highly supportive. And it's, I find it interesting because so many, um, I think people are more open and honest and giving in the group than they would be in person with men. Mm. Have you, have, have you thought about that at all? What do you think? Yeah. I, yeah. I think I can agree with that. I think it, it plays largely into our kind of social media mindset, which ends up being negative, a lot of the time on social media, but the idea that uh, it's a lot safer to bear your heart or say your, say your piece behind a computer than it is to look into somebody's eyes and say something that might cause you to be a little vulnerable or, um, or, uh, you know, just uh, create a situation where you're bearing yourself a little more than you feel comfortable behind a computer that might be a little easier. 
and it is interesting to watch uh, the sarcasm, the uh, the kick them when they're down kind of comments, and the defense mechanism that guys have uh, to uh, maybe maybe that guy's struggle hits a little too close to home, and instead of instead of just chiming in or following along to try to pick up some ad- good advice, they decide they've got to get their little poke in. Um, you know, one thing my wife and I talk about all the time is the idea that the things that frustrate you or aggravate you or annoy you the most are typically things that at some level in your life, you're struggling with yourself. Absolutely. I think they're, oh, they're same echo. I think the vulnerability part is a big deal. Um, you, you touched on that and we've had a lot of conversations in the podcast about that recently is the men in vulnerability. I actually believe that being vulnerable um, is what actually can help you grow. It's actually a catapult to growth. And so it's actually a manly thing. And I think for a long time, people thought of it as not manly, but when I've seen the most growth is when men are vulnerable to other men and allow, open up their world a little bit to allow for, um, for some mentoring and some wisdom to come in and people who've walked in the shoes before and, and whatnot. So, um, have, what is your view on vulnerability? you know, person to person, have you been in a place in your life where you've had men that you're vulnerable with, you, you share your fears and your frustrations and your failures with, or you've been pretty, pretty tied off? No, it's, uh, I'm a pretty open book, maybe to a fault sometimes. Um, but I've learned, um, maybe gained wisdom, maybe just from kicking myself in the head a few times. I've learned that uh, I want to make sure I have enough relationship with that person to go there um, to protect myself and to protect them. And uh, just to make sure that I'm not divulging myself um, to somebody that isn't ready to reciprocate the kind of relationship and advice or um, support that I'm looking for. So, uh, but I do have several relationships in my life currently with men that, uh, that I can sit down with and just pour my heart out and, uh, and say, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. Uh, I'm, there are still things in my life that, uh, that I have dealt with or do deal with that I'm not as prone to share. I'm not a completely open book and right. not hundred percent vulnerable, but uh, I'm working on it because I think, I think that really benefits myself and other people, you know, it gives, it gives other people a chance to realize, Hey, I'm not the only person that struggles and uh, Ted's willing to share with me his struggles. Maybe I should think about opening up and, and sharing my struggles with somebody else. So, yeah, I think one of my things that I have found is that I can actually articulate so much better when I write it out, as opposed mm-hmm. to talking about it. Like I, I'm, a, a, you know, sometimes I'll put long form posts in there. I don't know if anybody reads them, but that's really where I'm thinking you know, digging into the soul of what's really going on, what's really um, working my brain, what's kind of weighing on me at that moment. And, um, and that's the place of vulnerability I've, I've found is when I, and I go in and I just kind of bear it all. And, but I've also found that that there's like a lot of times guys are like, this is what I needed to hear. I needed to know someone else was going through it. Right. For sure. Yeah. I definitely, uh, I read them and, (laughs) and I appreciate them. And, uh, and it's great to see that kind of vulnerability. And I think it takes time, but I think you uh, leading that charge is creating a culture 
and uh, it may be slow moving, but you're creating that culture of vulnerability and, and soon more and more guys will follow that lead and be able to share their hearts and open up. And uh, as long as we as a community continue to offer positive advice and uh, support, I think it'll just continue to happen more and more. I fact, I have I have been slow to do that, um, not because I don't want to be vulnerable, but I'm the opposite of you. I would much rather just sit down and and communicate uh, verbally how I'm feeling than sit down and type. But uh, but there are definitely a few things that I've been thinking about that I want to put out there and see what the guys have to say. So that's probably coming this next week, I would think. That's awesome. I know that, that when you when you open up like that, you do open up yourself to a lot of um, it's it, vulnerability allows pain to, you know, to be introduced. Uh, you're, you're, you're giving a, a something of yourself that others can take advantage of. So I know it's kind of a big step. And, um, so to speaking of vulnerability, I want to share one of my, um, most current and biggest struggles right now. And it's actually something I talk a lot about and I preach a lot about not preach, but teach a lot about coach a lot about inside of this group. And, um, and it's, it's, it's being present. I, I have a tendency personally to overwork and I do not know how to shut it off. I have a very difficult time shutting work off or a project I'm working on. And um, I, I recently kind of, it kind of slapped me across the face. I've told the story in the podcast already, but it slapped me across the face that I was kind of back at a place that where I had gone down a really bad um pathway of really just neglecting the family. And I kind of, I know I wasn't even close to where I was at before, but I was able to recognize it because I have talked about it so much and I have been super intentional about it, but I've been falling back into this where work is never ending. And I've taken, as you know, I've taken uh, pretty drastic steps, uh, which I have a post coming up on in a, in a week or so, but I've taken very drastic, drastic steps to alleviate that overwhelm or overwork you are a business owner. So I know you are not um, free of this problem at all. And I want to, I want to kind of pick your brain on how you handle being present with your, with your daughters or with your wife um, when there is so much to get done. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I guess I can say that it's easier for me, but not because of a positive reason. Uh, it's easier for me because I really fight laziness actually that's one of my bigger struggles is um, I have I have to be uh, super intentional to be motivated and get the stuff done I was the guy in college that uh, had a paper due at 8 35 on Monday morning and I would figure out how many hours I thought it was going to take me to write it and I would literally wake up at four o'clock on Monday morning so I could write a four hour paper and go to class. And uh, unfortunately that's been a challenge for me throughout my life. So my bigger struggle is to make sure, not that I don't get things done that I have to get done, but like you said, I, you know, you mentioned that you get involved in projects and then you're, you get lost in those projects and those projects probably spawn two more projects and you get lost in those projects. And I understand all of that stuff, my issue is I need to dive into that a little bit more uh, to do the external projects that will benefit me long-term. Uh, 
And so I get the things done I have to get done, but I do struggle with getting the extra stuff done. So uh, all that to say, um, my biggest my biggest struggle in that, and what what, what I do is uh, I definitely spend that time with my kids. My struggle is making sure that it's intentional. So I have there are times that I'm sitting around with my kids and I'll realize, yeah, there's been an hour has gone by and we haven't said a word to each other. Right watching the television or seeing a movie or which is not inherently bad but if that becomes the core of what you do when you're together how much attentiveness and intentionality is there in that relationship so um i think you and i come at it from completely opposite sides which uh which i don't you know it's it's gonna happen right we we all come at life from different angles but uh but for me um when I'm, when I'm focused and doing the way I'm supposed to do, or I feel like I should, should be doing, um, what helps me is being, you know, you're really good at schedule and routine and all of that stuff. And you talk a lot about, about building that routine into your day and knowing how your day is going to play out. And, uh, and I do that, uh, again, I'm not great at it. Uh, I'm not great at all the application aspect of it, but mentally I do. And uh, so I'll say, hey, I know that I have time this morning, so I'm going to make sure I take my kids to school. And when I do, we'll have a little conversation on the way. I've got time today. I'll make sure I pick my kid up from school. Now, once we move into our space, this is going to change. and I'm going to completely have to reevaluate how I do this. But currently, I've got a little more free time, at least in the beginning of the week. So I make sure that we we actually, for the first time in quite a while, have just reinstituted a uh, family dinner night. And I know some families can sit down for dinner every night. That has not really ever been our MO, um, partially because I spent a long part of our life with kids working 80 plus hours and partially just because kids have activities, life is busy. So we've established that Tuesday night is a night that we can all be together and there's going to very rarely be a distraction, at least at this point. So uh, we recently implemented that and um, it's been really good for us to reconnect and, and hard too. I mean, that's the thing that we don't talk about, right? Is the idea that just because we're being intentional with our family, you know, we set aside Tuesday night dinner and it's going to be this glorious two hours where the food's going to taste better and the conversation is going to be excellent and the game is going to play out perfectly. And that's just not reality, you know, especially with my three my two teenagers and my soon-to-be third teenager, um, all girls, all dealing with their own stuff. Um, it's often bickering and and frustration and pointing fingers and doing stupid stuff. And my wife and I oftentimes will leave those family times exhausted. Yeah. But we know it's important. And so we're doing it. Um, but I think I think that's the part of this message that maybe I, I felt uh, led to talk about uh, today is just the idea that we do these intentional things, not because we know it's going to be perfect. You know, we don't tell our wives we love them 20 times today because we know that's going to turn into getting lucky tonight. Um, we hope it does. Sometimes it does. But, you know, it, uh, we do it because that's the right thing to do. And if it turns out the way we want it to or not, we still commit to those practices. And over time, 
I believe it's going to get easier and easier and produce better and better results. It is. I'm going to just say it is because we've been doing family dinners. Um, I don't know how long, but we've been extremely intentional about that. I will give us that uh, at least three, probably four to five times a week. And we will do crazy hours if we have to, because somebody's gone or whatever. And, um, and it used to be awkward. It used to be weird. There used to be fighting. There used to be like, you know, and now it is so natural. And the thing that I've seen about it is we have conversations. I'm working on um, getting wins out of my boys every day because there's so much um, programming inside of us uh, young, from young on that we focus on the negatives and it's really hard to identify wins. So you actually have to practice that. So I work with them. We do that at dinner. We, we talk about the day at dinner, but we're, we've over lots and lots of practice over lots of time of me bringing my phone to the table and getting distracted and mm -hmm. learning, wait, that's not what I do. And so we're eventually now it's, you know, it's, um, it's digital free, except for one caveat. And I, I will, I will be honest about this. I do have a personal system that is extremely dialed in. It's taken me two and a half years to dialed in where if a thought comes to my mind or a thing comes to my mind, I will sit in that thing and I'll either forget it or I'll sit and mull on it and I won't be able to get it out of my head. So I capture it. I put it in a system I have. It's an app. So everybody knows it's a table. Excuse me. Everybody knows at the table that if I'm picking out my phone, I'm capturing an idea and I'll say capturing and it's like two seconds and it's back down. But what's happened over time is now my son has a girlfriend and she's come over and it's really crazy. Like she sits down and we just have a regular, really fun time like we normally do. It didn't change the dynamics because we've been doing it and practicing it for so long. So I'd encourage you. Uh, it really does come into play. And I love that, you know, I love that you said your, your tendencies are almost the exact opposite of mine. And um, this was not intended to be a plug, but I am doing a workshop on March 6th. I've already signed up. Okay. Yeah. For productivity hacking. Yeah. I want to teach that capture system so that we can yeah. keep things off our mind and really be attentive on what we're needing to be attentive. And it also on the flip side, it actually helps you um, put things into play so that you don't not do it. It actually assigns things to times. You actually assign things to times and it's like, Oh, I got to do that. And it keeps you on track. So um, that, that is actually um, something I'm doing March 6. You can look at my personal page and I'll try and post it in the brotherhood. But um, like I've learned this and it has absolutely rocked my world. And I want to share it with as many people as possible because it has changed how I can get things done because I used to be somebody who just work, 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 works, but had zero like direction. It was just random. Something hit my brain. I'd stop and go in that direction. I don't think it was ADD. I don't, you know, I just think it was just, I'm always wanting to work. Um, but I love that, that you guys are working on being intentional. Another time that I absolutely love with my kids is in the car. I don't know about you, but if it's one-on-one, -on -one, man, you're going to, that's the, <laughs> usually that's the chance I get to get them to open up and tell me what's going on. Has that been your, your, uh, situation as well? Uh, we, yeah, we do. We chat. Um, we actually bond a lot through music. So we'll do a lot of singing when we're driving in the car and, you know, have just have fun singing songs together and, and goofing around like that. Uh, we definitely do have the conversations, you know, my kids all being girls, um, there's only a certain level of vulnerability that they want to have with me openness and, uh, certain things they don't want to chat with me about, which is fine. I'm okay with that. 
um, I, as long as they know that they can talk to me about anything. Yeah, that's, that's the important part for me. But uh, yeah, we bond through music, we, we have conversation, but the car is absolutely a good one for us. How about with your wife? What do you do to intentionally be present with your wife? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's been a challenge also, right? Um, Because what speaks love to her and attention and intentionality is different than what speaks love and attention and intentionality to me. So uh, again, it's, it's a constant battle of me being aware of what's going to speak love to her and doing my best to accommodate that. And, uh, and then also, um, well, no, just that really not also, um, the thing for me is, uh, she loves, she loves dates and of course makes sense. Um, and I'm super afraid of spending money all the time, especially as we're starting up a business. So we've had to, we've had to have some conversations about what this can look like. And we've gotten much better at doing low cost dates. Uh, sometimes we just go out for a drive just drive around for a couple hours and chat in the car or um, go find some place to walk for an hour and chat. And, uh, and this seems to be good for her. It's stuff I love to do, but uh, there was a long period of time where I was thinking, well, yeah, we, we sit down and chat at night and maybe watch a TV show or something. That's pretty awesome. And realized that was not touching her needs at all. So so I've had to be uh, more intentional about for her out of the house is is where she feels like she's being cared for. And for me, I'm happy being in the house and doing that. So uh, she has she has been really good about working with me um, with not needing to go out to dinner and a movie every time we leave the house. And, you know, $80 later, we're we're done. Um, and I have worked really hard to be intentional about going out of the house. So uh, we've also made Tuesday our date day uh, recently. Tuesday's pretty much our day off at this point. And so we go try to spend a few hours together. Uh, Yesterday, we went down to one of the state parks and just hiked around for a couple hours and looked at alligators and chatted. And and it was awesome. It was really great. And what what I found is the more we do those deep conversation hangout times, the easier it is to broach some topics that have been challenging along the way. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, we just keep going deeper. I know the last time we, we chatted on the podcast, we had conversation about um, having those tough conversations and not wanting to have them. And I mean, I still don't want to have them. Who wants to have those conversations? But um, I'm finding it easier and easier. And we uh, even in our casual walk yesterday, we discussed through some stuff that a year or two ago would have only come up in the middle of one of those really heated, uncomfortable three-hour conversations. And it came up, it went by in three or four minutes, was addressed by both of us, and um, and we moved on. And it was, so some significant progress uh, due to being intentional about having those conversations and just being together and chatting. That's, a, that's incredible. And it's a very encouraging story. And you actually brought something up that I've been thinking a lot about, and I've really struggled probably for the last two years is I know the importance of dating. And um, I, every week it's always been my goal. And I found myself skipping it for financial reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we kind of went through coming out of a very rough 
you know, patch financially where it's just been, you know, adding, like you said, 80 bucks for a date. Uh, she loves it. She absolutely loves it. And we, but we both would end up stressed if the money spent and, um, and not probably six months ago, we just drove and um, parked at a, it was a off day. It wasn't Sunday and it was at a church parking lot. And we sat there for like an hour and just talked. And it made me remember the fact that when we were dating, we had to be, I wasn't loaded and you had to be, um, you had to actually be creative. And I think uh, that there's a lot of power in dating. Like we hear these guys talk about dating. Oh, I take her to the bar. I do this and this. And I just think, how in the world do you afford that? And this, you know, and, and instead of like get, having that mindset of, um, I don't have, I changed my mindset to like, how did I do this before? And it was a lot of fun. And so I've focused a lot more on that, like driving somewhere and walking, like you said, or, um, you know, going on drives or parking. And one of the guys in the brotherhood posted that it was cold. They were in their car and him and his wife got in there and they started making out. And I'm like, that's so perfect. Awesome. It's so perfect. Like, why can't we do these things? Like, think about what you were like as a high school or a college student. You're just trying to make out or whatever it is you're trying to do. And you got creative. And I think um, that's back to the pursuit. Like when we get creative, we're, we're back into pursuing our whys. We're having to put our brain to it. And um, so I love that you guys are doing that because that, that really brings me joy to think that other men are kind of embracing this. Let's make it an adventure. It's my, it's my job to make this work, whether it's a financial hardship or a time hardship, or there's nothing to do around us. It just comes down to creativity. Well, and that, the interesting thing is the financial hardship, uh, the financial issue was mine. You know, my wife never thought about that part. You know, she's like, it's no big deal. We're fine. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I keep the money stuff and we're not really fine. So, but doesn't that make it my responsibility then to be the creative one? Right. I mean, that puts it all on me. And uh, this is how dense I can be sometimes. My wife on a regular basis. So she spends a lot of time with her mom. Uh, her mom's by herself. And she's constantly telling me, yeah, I'm going to go spend the day with my mom. We're going to go drive out to here and walk around and look at stuff. And, and, you know, once or twice a week, she's doing this whenever she can. And she's always telling me this. And for months, I'm like, oh, that's great. You could do that with your mom. Not really putting two and two together, realizing, well, hey, that uh, that's something she loves to do. I could probably do that with her. And I kind of think that she might like doing that with me even more. Yes, uh, we did it. And, and it's wonderful and makes her happy. It, uh, it makes me happy. And, uh, and one thing that's interesting is by dating her more. So what would happen is she would ask me for a date, which I don't want her to have to do. Right. Just like, I don't want to have to ask for romance or, or physical relationship. You know, I want her to realize that I need it and, and, and be there for me. And I don't want her to have to ask me for a date. And uh, she was having to do it constantly. And then me being the genius responded, well, we already had our date this month because we were budgeting for one date a month when we were on a really tight budget. And then she'd say, oh, no, we didn't. And I'd think back and realize, oh, my gosh, it's been like five weeks and what an idiot I am. And so, uh, like you said, uh, we, once a week is my goal now. And uh, hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast anytime soon. But uh no, when she does, uh, she but she knows that my goal is once a week, and it's my job then to turn that eighty or a hundred dollar date budget into four really good 
and experiences. And those are more, have more time, have more time to talk usually. Um, I agree. And, you know, I, vulnerability on a podcast is always interesting because you don't know who's going to listen, but um, <laughs> like I, you know, I just a while back talked about my systems. I capture things. I have checklists of things for certain days at certain intervals. And one of the things that, that I have that hits my, my phone every weekend is date night, no exceptions. And it's been incredible. My wife doesn't know it's in there, but she might now, but that's not the point. I'm being intentional. And like Friday, like last week was, you know, it was kind of a crapshoot with the weather and everything, but I like forced something. And, um, I don't remember it the store was opened up. So we went, we went out and went to the store and walked around and had fun. And, and the next, and I kind of saw like to capture that opportunity, but I didn't think she was going to see that as a date. And I, and I told her, I said, I really am trying to be intentional about, you know, going on a date. And she goes, I thought the store was an awesome date. So she was actually in the same mindset. Like we just got out, we had fun and we released everything that was going on. But I think um, there is no harm in having these goals and having reminders and things because we're men and we get distracted. For sure. Put things in place to keep us from the, to keep us in line. I mean, not all of us, but most of us. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with reminders. Absolutely. And I need that, uh, you know, I need that in every aspect of my life. You know, you've got a great system. I can't wait to learn more about it in a couple of weeks, but uh, uh, yeah, I need that in all aspects of my life. And especially when it comes to loving on my family, you know, I mean, they're right at the top of my priority list and um, you know, they've, they need that kind of attention and that kind of intentionality. Yeah. Uh, Something I've done is I've actually put in my, my system that every day I get, I make sure I have a serious hug with my boys. So it's a checklist item for me. And, um, you know, that's interesting. It's a challenge with middle schoolers and high schoolers because they run away, they do their things. And so sometimes I'm hunting them down. And of course my, um, one win every day is in there. And then it's, um, I randomly have in there on kind of a random cycle. Uh, today is one thing that, um, different that I love about my wife and sharing it with her. And so I did that yesterday and it's it just, and it was like, she's like, oh, that was really nice. Where did that come from? I'm like, that's ah, just, yeah, something to get about. But um, you were talking earlier about emotional and sexual. I mean, it, it, women uh, operate on, on te- 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 typically women on, operate on emotional um, intimacy and we operate on sexual intimacy and um, for men, foreplay is emotional intimacy. It's listening. It's being attentive. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great practice. Sounds like you've really, you're really kind of try, working on dialing that in. And I think that's a big deal. For sure. And well, you're right. And it definitely has that, uh, that physical benefit. Uh, if we, if we make commitment to it and do it right, I think, uh, I think most guys out there, uh, if they, if they commit to doing the emotional, the relational, uh, doing the emotional part, we'll find the physical part uh, follows along in a very positive way. Absolutely. We, for a while, were putting into the group, you know, how to have more sex. And it was all about investing with emotional intimacy with your wife. And for sure, like, let's just be clear. There's a, there's, there's a pretty easy path there. There's, it's a hard work. It's hard work and it's a lot of intentionality, but it, it is there. And, but it has to be done with authentic, authenticity. Yeah, just Correct. <laughs> so, 
Um, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so with your kids, <clears throat> driving, dinner, those types of things, do they have events you go to? Do they yeah. have all the things that you go watch them perform or whatever? Yeah, they do. Um, not as much at this current time, you know, with all the COVID stuff, things have changed a little bit, but, uh, during football season, uh, we went to all the football games. My daughter is on, uh, the, uh, color guard. Oh, cool. So we went to all the football games and, and got really into that. I never thought I'd be a high school football fan, but I'm addicted now. So I can't wait for the next season to come around. Uh, my oldest, um, is not doing anything right now, but uh, always gone to all of her plays, all of her concerts and things like that. And my youngest is also in theater. We got all of her stuff. She's all, she wants to be an athlete. So uh, she's working on, she actually wants to be a cheerleader, which is probably the right fit for her. So we'll go to all of her games that we can. And yeah, I think being intentional about going to the kids activities, I, um, I'm not officially a youth leader, but I go to the youth group on Wednesday nights with my kids uh, every week that I can. And that's a couple hours that we interact and, and I, I catch them looking at me when I'm there. So I know that they recognize that I'm there and I'm supporting them and it means a lot to them. And, uh, and it's, it's a good time for me too. So, but yeah, I think, I think it's super important. And, um, and I do, I do the best I can. My parents were really great at that. My mom was at everything. My dad was at everything. Well, my dad was at a lot of the things that he could be at. And, uh, and I'm super appreciative of that example. Interesting to say about kids looking at you when you're, when you're watching them. Um, I kind of made this a, a practice. I'm watching kids play and look up at their fathers or their mothers. There's two things that there's, there's three ways that I see this go. It's one, they look up and their, their parent is deep in their phone, not paying any attention. And you can, you can see from no matter how far away you are, you can see just them deflate, right? So, and then the other one is the kid who's looking to his dad for affirmation, because that's probably the only place he gets affirmation is performance playing. And um, you can see the, the chest go up or the sunken demeanor if it's not a good play and dad's yelling. The other one is, um, you know, the biggest fan, someone, a parent who's just cheering them on eyes on, and you just, they just float. They float. They look up. They're not always looking up, but when they capture it, the child floats. And I, I just want to be that parent who makes my, my, my child float, whether they're doing well or not They're I want them to do well, obviously I'm very competitive, right. but they're having a good time and they're realizing that their performance isn't how is we're not responding to their performance we're responding to their experience um so i love yeah. that absolutely yeah we uh I, i've made especially with my middle daughter because it's it's more fitting for her personality but uh at the football games every time she'd walk out for color guard she's always looking up there for us and uh, i got in this habit of doing really embarrassing things for her and her friends love it. They all just laugh and they're all looking at us. So it got to the point by the end of the season that half of the color guard kids are looking up to try to figure out what Genevieve's dad's going to do to embarrass her. And she gets a big grin on her face and then hangs her head and shakes her head. No, but she loves it. And, uh, and also the cell phone thing. That's a funny thing that you brought that up because uh, we used to go, my middle daughter used to play competitive softball. And so we were at tournaments all the time and, and I'd get called on it 
constantly because I was very attentive in the games, but if they did ever look over and see that I was on my phone after the game, be like, daddy, you missed, I, you missed this play. I did. You were looking at your phone. And, uh, but I, I like that. I appreciate that because it, you know, it lets me know that they care that I'm there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know that I was fairly attentive, mostly attentive. So it just reminded me that, Hey, they're looking all the time. I need to be, I need to be on board. It's so funny regard story because my wife is such a big fan of my, of my boys and my son is um, very good at trombone and he's in the marching band and he's in the leadership of the marching band in marching. Just see everyone outside of Texas um, doesn't know that marching band and color guard work together. They're extremely competitive in Texas. It's very competitive. We have top in the nation. At least we're um, our school is one of the top in the nation. And um, it's extremely serious. And my wife will stand up and wave and make sure my son knows where she's at and she's, she'll do it until she gets some, and they're supposed to be like, we're in his position, he's just supposed to be, you know, stoic and straight, and no distractions. And he, she'll do it until he, he, she thinks that he's, accept, he's acknowledged it. And he's just like, stop it. But I know he loves it. I know he's digging it up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so they might not admit it now, but, uh, you know, even if they don't admit it now, when you know, they come back five, six years from now, that's a story they're going to tell. Remember how you were so goofy at my games all the time and embarrassing me in front of my friends. They love it. I know they do. Yeah. I think there's a fine line. I think we're doing it right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I just, I just love watching parents do it right. And then I literally crawl inside my skin when I see it done wrong. When I see the judgment happening, actually I have a, a podcast, um, guest coming up who uh is who works with student athletes and the and the stories they tell themselves and then he works with their parents on the way that they treat their student athletes Mm. and and, um just talk about talking and supporting and what not to do and what to do because there's so much damage done there's so much incredibly horrible damage done if we don't do that right as as parents we're not coaches you know we are but there's this fine line. He's going to talk about that. I'm really excited about that because I think it's a big deal. It's a big deal in our society and performance and sports and how do we be a fan without overdoing it? Right. right. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I wanted, or wrapping up, I wanted to, first of all, publicly thank you, Ted, because you guys may, may not know, I've been in an extremely over the top busy time of my life and I'm really focusing on working with being attended with my family, even though I'm having to work top to bottom days. And Ted has stepped in and has helped moderate the Facebook group. And uh, I'm gonna get choked up, has uh, caught some things and, and done some things that have taken a massive load off of me. And I don't have to worry about always checking in on that. So I want to publicly thank you because I don't think you understand the impact that's had on me as well as my family. And I think that's a big power of the brotherhood is when we have a need, we can there's probably other brothers in there we can call on and get a little relief. So um, you, epit- you, you epitomize what I'm, or I, I don't know if that's the right word, but you reflect what I'm wanting to see in men in the brotherhood. And so I want to, I want to publicly thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks Scott. I appreciate you, uh, 
trusting me with uh, with some uh, ability to help facilitate in the brotherhood. It's a uh, it's a great group of guys. And as I read posts, I think uh, to myself sometimes, man, I have no idea why I'm allowed to be a part of uh, this when uh, there's so many brilliant fathers and, and great guys that are involved in this thing. So I, I really appreciate you allowing me to be a part of the uh, just to be able to contribute in a in a significant way. That's uh, it's humbling and uh, and it's my passion too to see men growing in their relationships with their kids and with their wives and with each other. So I'm grateful that you've given me this outlet. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you coming back. Repeat, it's not the last time. Um, and, and for the audience, I'm sorry if you're hearing those echoes, it's driving me crazy. We'll try and edit them out, but there's no way around it. But uh, this stuff is just too good not to get out. And so a little technical difficulty, I hope you hung through that. Um, Ted, I, I hope you are blessed for spending time with me and so for spending time in this group. And we've got years and years and years of really great things coming. Um, thank you for being a guest, brother. You're welcome, Scott. Thanks a lot. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. You guys have a um, just an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.